Welcome to a special episode of The Eagle and Capital Confidential. I'm Jessica Marshall. Last week, New York State Attorney General Tish James released a scathing report that concluded Governor Andrew Cuomo had sexually harassed 11 women, breaking state and federal laws in the process. And I am inspired by all the brave women who came forward. But more importantly, I believe them. Arguably, the most serious allegation came from a current female staffer whose name had been withheld in the report. The anonymous staffer accused the governor of groping her in his office at the governor's mansion in late November. She alleges that the governor had summoned her to the executive mansion under the pretext of helping him send a text message from his iPhone. After she helped the governor with that task, she says he came out from behind his desk He hugged her in a sexually charged manner. She told him, quote, you're going to get us in trouble. He then closed the door to his office and reached up under her blouse and groped her breast. The attorney general's investigation determined that the staffer's account was truthful. These allegations were first reported in April by the Times Union's Capitol Bureau managing editor Brendan Lyons. The Times Union withheld the name of the victim at that time. I want you to know directly from me that I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. Governor Cuomo released a pre-taped statement just hours after the Attorney General's report was released flat out denying the woman's claim. There is another complaint I want to address from a woman in my office who said that I groped her in my home office. Let me be clear, that never happened. Maybe to him, mm-hmm. that he thought this was normal, but to me and the other women that he did this to, it was not normal. It was not welcomed and it was certainly not consensual. The victim has now revealed herself as Brittany Camisso, a 33-year-old administrative assistant in the executive chamber. She has come forward in an exclusive interview with our own Brendan Lyons and CBS News. Brendan is here with us now to tell us more. Thank you for joining us, Brendan. What a week, huh? It has been quite a week, uh, especially, of course, for Governor Andrew M. Cuomo, who has weathered an attorney general's report, the conclusion of a five-month investigation that reached the conclusion by these investigators that the governor is a serial harasser and that 11 women that he uh, sexually harassed or inappropriately touched or in some cases had sexually charged conversations with them that made them feel uncomfortable. And it was inappropriate, at the very least, for for many who have heard these conversations. So you played an integral role in the breaking of this story or this particular victim. uh, And you broke the the allegations that Brittany Camisso leveled against the governor and that had been um, promoted in the AG's report. You You reported on that several months ago. And many of the details that she gave in the interview that aired this week that we did jointly with CBS News um, goes over kind of what you already reported. Uh, is there anything new here that you found besides the obvious fact that she gave her name? 
one of the things I, I learned in this interview was that she had uh, been kissed on the lips by the governor on one occasion. I, she yeah. did not tell me about that in, in our March and April interviews, but she did relay that information to the attorney general's investigators. And my notes had that her attorney had mentioned that, but she had not brought that up. So that was something new. I was scared. Um, I, even though I knew that I had support, you still feel alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I was afraid that if I had come forward and revealed my name, that the governor and his enablers, I like to call them, would viciously attack me, would smear my name, as I had seen and heard them do before to people. She told her story, as you noted. On April 7th, we published a very lengthy and detailed story, and part of the headline was In Her Own Words. And that was really her moment to tell her story. The first story, when we reported the allegations and broke the story, Brittany Camisso did not go public. She did not hold a news conference. She did not even report this to the governor's office. I didn't tell anybody. I was scared. I thought that if I had said something, that I was either going to be transferred or fired. I didn't think that anyone would believe me. What had happened was that she had an emotional breakdown when she was listening to the governor give a speech where he claimed that he had never inappropriately touched anyone. She shared with a colleague who came to her aid what he had allegedly done to her. And that colleague, days later, realized that they were obligated under state law and the policies of the governor's office to report what they had learned. When that was reported to counsel and it was circulated within the chamber, we became aware of it, we reported the story, and Brittany Camisso had no idea that we were reporting the story until it it was published. Mm, That was a little bit different. But then over the course of that next month, I made outreach to her and to her attorney and through a series of, you know, back and forth and back and forth. And and we built trust with her. She agreed to sit down with the Times Union and at that time anonymously, but tell the story of her side of things. I am Brittany Camisso. I am a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a friend. And I'm, I'm I'm a human being. I'm a woman and I have a voice. And now I've decided to use it. Tell us a little bit about her. Who is she uh, and what has she shared about her life and her career? Brittany Camisso is a 33-year-old single mother. Well, in the sense that she is not divorced, but she is going through a divorce proceeding now with her estranged husband, who is a, who has been involved in politics in Albany and on the Albany scene, Frank Camisso. Her young daughter is is in grade school. She is someone who had aspired to join, become uh, involved in government service, as she described it. Her grandmother was an inspiration to her to do uh, public service, government work. She went to work for the Albany County for many years and then ultimately was offered a job interview with the executive chamber in 2017. At that point, she got that position. She went to work for I believe it was a deputy commissioner or deputy secretary in the Department of Transportation. She did that for months, but realized that the real, you know, coveted position was to work in the executive chamber on the second floor. That's what anybody might who wants to get involved in politics and government might like to do is to work directly for the governor. So when another position opened up back there, 
She told the the uh, person she was working for that she wanted to apply for it. She was given that job and went to work as an executive assistant in the chamber. This was my dream job. This was something that I had worked so hard for. And I just thought, if I have to sit here and take it and keep my mouth shut, then that's what I'm going to do. And as we reported in April and she recounted last week, almost immediately she was got a vibe about how things might go in this position. She was told, she said that the governor is flirtatious. If he likes you, you know, you might get hugs and these sorts of things. So Brittany, when she was being introduced to people in the executive chamber, a woman who had been there for clearly some time had remarked to her that, oh, he's going to to take you. In other words, he's going to put you on that side of the, the chamber where you work closer to him. There's an outer office where executive assistants, and she knew what it meant. The woman appeared to be complimenting on the fact that she's, you know, a good looking young woman and that the governor had, it would once he had, you know, laid eyes on her, would make sure that she was near him. So that, that sort of set the tone. The governor's flirtatious and you almost got the hint that if he was flirtatious with you or friendly, that meant he liked you. And everyone wanted to be liked by the governor. It developed from that into probing questions about sex life and ability. You know, she was asked about whether she had a boyfriend, even though the governor knew she was married. And and you know, she she thought that was very inappropriate for him to ask about that. In other words, oh come on, you know you got a boyfriend. So he's joking about the fact that oh come on, you know you're cheating on your husband. And and those are the sorts of comments that have really gotten the governor in hot water because he asks probing, deeply personal, sexually charged questions of young women that work for him. And these are questions that I think everybody would agree are not appropriate in any workplace. Sure. She has the most serious allegation, arguably, in the AG's report. Can you talk just a little bit about the specific incidents, or at least the the most serious incident that it's outlined in the AG's report and that she talks about in the interview? It was clear to, to us, the Times Union, when we learned about this allegation of the governor coming out from behind his desk at the mansion, going in for a hug with this person, and then she was caught off guard by this. And she said, you you know, nervous, afraid for her career, unsure, how do you say no to the governor of the state of New York? And, And so she reacted in a way that she said, you know, was a defense mechanism. She said, governor, you're going to get us in trouble. What are you doing? According to her, he said, I don't care. And he closed the door so firmly that it almost sounded like it slammed. And she said, that's when the incident happened. When he came back over to her, And as she put it, he went for it and he put his hand up under her blouse and groped her breast over her bra. She said she remembered looking and thinking how big his hand was. And, you know, he's a mechanic. He certainly has big hands. And she also said something that stuck with me in that first interview. She said, to this day, I still remember what I was wearing. I exactly remember looking down, seeing his hand, which is a large hand thinking to myself, oh my God, this is happening. It happened so quick. He didn't say anything. When I when I stopped it, he just pulled away and walked away. So this immediately elevated the 
the seriousness of what the governor was accused of doing. Up to that point, it was something that he could claim was, well, it was misunderstanding. They didn't understand. I was trying to be fatherly and give advice. That's why I'm asking Charlotte Bennett questions about being a sexual abuse survivor and and these sorts of things. This is the one, and this is the one over the past week that his attorneys have spent the most time trying to beat back. The governor has repeatedly denied that ever took place. And quite frankly, when she first raised this in early March, he was stunned. Maybe to him mm-hmm. that he thought this was normal, but to me and the other women that he did this to, it was not normal. It was not welcomed and it was certainly not consensual. Did she tell you why she decided to come out and you know go public with her name at this point? When, when Governor Cuomo and his team reacted the way they did to the report, most notably, it was his statement where he knew he had to take on Brittany Camisso's allegation, and he cast her as a liar. He said that this never happened, and his team have focused very much on the fact that the Attorney General's report erroneously stated that she said the incident took place on November 16th. That was a day when the governor's schedule was so busy and so detailed and there were so many people at the mansion they said it could never have happened and you know what it didn't because she said it happened around that time in our story on april 7th the lead of the story states she said it happened in late november that's not the 16th she had put it somewhere around thanksgiving so the governor's office is really pushing back on her and i think at this point, with her having given her account anonymously and now being called out as a liar by the governor and his team, she decided, you know, we CBS News had had reached out to us and, and asked us again if, you know, we could help facilitate an interview with her. And we went back to her and said, Brittany, you know, the Times Union has not burned you. We've, we've given your information and done so accurately. What do you think about coming out at this point? And, and she, she wanted to. She also felt that as hard as, as it is for a woman to do this, because sometimes it gives them a scarlet letter. You know, it makes their future, their careers more difficult because they become labeled as, as a survivor of sexual abuse. And, and some people think, oh, is this safe to have this person in my office? So I understand the reluctance to come out. It, it makes total sense. But she wanted to come out and take him head on. And she is also, don't forget, she has said, hey, I will take a polygraph. Will you, governor? And this is a governor who in 2018 put out a public statement urging President Trump to demand that Brett Kavanaugh, the U.S. Supreme Court nominee, submit to a polygraph examination. So Cuomo said it's the way to tell the truth. Now he won't agree to that. His uh, attorney referred to it as a press ploy, asking him to take a polygraph, which is something that three years ago he demanded of someone else in the same situation that he's facing now. Well, I feel as though this report, this 100 and I believe 68 page report, you know, it clearly states the facts. It clearly finds us women to be credible. I don't believe that it finds the governor to be credible. 
And I believe that, you know, what he did to me is illegal. You cannot do that. So now, you know, Brittany Camisso's name is out there and she has also filed a criminal complaint with the Albany County Sheriff's Department. Can you tell us what what's involved there? What What's happening there? In March, when Brittany Camisso's allegation was relayed to the uh, governor's council by her colleagues, they realized that it was not only something that needed to be reported to uh, the governor's office of employee relations, because that was the policy for a sexual harassment complaint, but also that it was potentially criminal. And so the state police, interestingly enough, they, they punted. It was an incident that took place on state property, the executive mansion. It involved a state official, the governor, and a state employee, Brittany Camisso. But they wanted to refer the matter to the Albany Police Department. At the time, the mayor of Albany said, this is completely unheard of. For you to kick this to us, the Albany Police Department, it was clear that the state police did not want to be involved with any criminal investigation of the governor of the state of New York. So the Albany police reached out and made public statements to the victim who was unnamed that if you want to come here, you want to file a complaint, please do that. But her attorney had concerns about the potential for political influence in the Albany Police Department, in part because of Camisso's ties to local politics and such. And That would be Frank Camisso, her now ex-husband or estranged husband? Yeah. And I'm not saying that the influence would come from Frank Camisso, that the influence could come from any other political forces that might have ties to the governor or allegiances to somebody else. So they didn't feel comfortable with the state police. They didn't feel comfortable with the Albany police. And at the time, they saw no benefit to bringing a criminal complaint against the governor that would result in a case being brought in city court you know, on a misdemeanor, possibly, maybe a felony, but probably a misdemeanor. So more recently, I think after some soul searching you know, and, and almost some goading by the executive chamber about, hey, you know, how come you never filed a criminal complaint? They went to the Albany Sheriff's Department, who had also made outreach, I believe, and said, if you want to talk to someone in law enforcement, please do. We're here. Albany County District Attorney David Soares had said the same thing publicly. If this victim or alleged victim would like to talk to law enforcement, we're here. We'll make our resources available, victim services, et cetera. And so she went there. She met with investigators she signed a statement, and that has initiated an investigation that will now look at the circumstances of this allegation. And, and, and the good thing about that is that it may be a way to get further into the weeds of all of this, whether it's through search warrants or subpoenas, to determine can they confirm that she was at the mansion in late November or even early December is, it, is there a text message that shows confirmation that she had gone there to do what the governor's office had once acknowledged that she and others would do, which is to go assist him with technical matters involving his mobile phone? That was the pretext of why she went to the mansion that day. But what it does is it takes this to another level. The attorney general's investigation was a civil probe. It did use subpoenas to compel testimony and to gather records. Now you have people with badges and guns and, and, and the district attorney's office with 
uh, access to grand juries and grand jury subpoenas who will, I believe, take this to another level to, to try to get to the truth. Exactly. It sounds like it's definitely getting leveled up here. Brittany Camisso still has a job, right? She has to walk into the executive chamber, sit at a desk and do work this week, right? She does. Since this has unfolded, Brittany Camisso and some others, I believe, have seen their their workload diminished. And Brian Primo, her attorney, has suggested that this is a form of harassment in and of itself and that their work duties have been relegated to very little. They have been kept arm's length. The governor has been largely holed up in his mansion since this erupted you know, months ago and has made few appearances in the Capitol office on the second floor and been kept away from a lot of these women. Now, th- there was a time when uh, the governor would call into the chamber and, and I believe Brittany Camisso had answered and he said, oh, hello, how are you? You know, it was, I'm sure, very awkward for her. But yeah, she, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, and she said in the in the interview with CBS at the Times Union on Friday that you know others around her, she's been there four years, have have gotten raises recently, and she is not. And I'm sure it must be frustrating because they, you know, she said, "I just want to do my job. I want to do good work," and that's been been hard to come by since this has been unfolding. It certainly feels like a little bit of retaliation from the way that she describes it. Did she say, you know, what she hopes that comes out of all the allegations? Does she want the governor to resign? What What are her thoughts on that, on the future? Yeah, Ms. Camizzo said that she does, in fact, want the governor to resign. But most importantly for her, she said she wants him to admit the truth. She wants him to admit what she said happened in the mansion in November when he allegedly groped her. I think that that is what she is really seeking here. I don't think she's going to get that. So I think now maybe law enforcement, maybe the sheriff's department and the Albany County District Attorney's Office can try to find some sort of electronic or other corroborating evidence that might sustain or refute the allegation. It was the right thing to do. The governor needs to be held accountable. Governor Andrew Cuomo is facing increasing calls for his immediate resignation. Many of those have come from fellow Democrats, including state Democratic Party Chair Jay Jacobs and President Joe Biden. So far, Cuomo has denied that he will step down. What matters to me at the end of the day is getting the most done I can for you. And that is what I do every day and I will not be distracted from that job. Early this week, Cuomo's top aide, Melissa DeRosa, resigned. DeRosa has been at the center of several of the controversies engulfing the administration. Most recently, the attorney general's report detailed her involvement in the release of documents to undercut the credibility of one of the women accusing Cuomo of sexual harassment. An impeachment inquiry by the State Assembly's Judiciary Committee has been underway since the spring. We had a historic moment in our state's modern history. For the first time in more than 100 years, the Assembly's undertaking an impeachment investigation of a sitting governor. Assembly Speaker Carl Hastie announced this week 
that the committee plans to consider articles of impeachment following a series of public and private meetings in Albany in the next few weeks. Now with the Attorney General's task completed, the Assembly is working to expeditiously conclude our investigation, which covers a broad range of issues so that we can bring this sad chapter of our state's history to a conclusion. The committee has given the governor's office till the end of the week to submit evidence in the governor's defense. Judiciary Committee Chair Charles Levine says they'll be looking into the sexual harassment allegations detailed in the Attorney General's report, as well as several other issues, like the governor's handling of nursing home deaths due to COVID and the alleged use of state resources to write his book. The committee has and will continue to conduct an investigation that is comprehensive, fair, and reflects the seriousness of our constitutional obligation. Levine said he expects the process to be concluded within weeks. If the full assembly approves potential articles of impeachment, the governor will be temporarily removed from office, while the Senate and the Court of Appeals conduct a trial. If impeached, Cuomo will be the first New York governor to stand trial since William Salzer in 1913. That's it for this special episode of The Eagle and Capitol Confidential. I'm Jessica Marshall. We'll be back later this week with our usual look inside the newsroom here at the Times Union. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, or head over to timesunion.com for the latest news and features. The Eagle and Capital Confidential are productions of the Times Union. They're produced and edited by me, Jessica Marshall, with help from the Times Union digital team and the newsroom. Special thanks this week to Brendan Lyons, CBS News, and Paul Nelson for their reporting and contribution to this episode. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring in you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union member today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe.